you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Hallelujah. Well, I believe the best is yet to come. Thanking God today for two wonderful moves of His Spirit already here at CLC. We're thankful to the Lord. We had guests here this morning in the altars. We had guests in Lebanon, first-time guests in the altars in Lebanon today. We're rejoicing in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm just going to read one verse and then talk to you for a little bit about what I feel the Lord is wanting to speak. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 21. Aren't you grateful for the Lord tonight? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. By the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach positioning your treasure. Positioning your treasure. Now, I'm going to ask, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that you pray for the anointing of the Lord, but also pray for the strength of the Lord. I'm not used to preaching three times, and my voice is not used to preaching three times. So I'm going to ask that you pray for the strength of the Lord tonight. Would you do that right now? Come on, lift a hand toward heaven. God, we need your help tonight. Speak to our hearts. Do what only you can. Come on, lift your voice and talk to the Lord tonight. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Everybody seems to like a story of some deserving individual finding treasure. Although I don't play the lottery and hope that you don't play the lottery because the Bible kind of does talk about that. 
Ooh, it got quiet in here. Did I hit a stump? The Bible does talk about that, by the way. When you hear somebody, particularly if they're related to you, you hope they're closely related to you when they hit that great big, who's your millionaire? We all like a story of some deserving individual finding treasure. When I was a kid, I always loved the idea of finding treasure. I remember the neighborhood boys and I, when we were small, we were always looking for treasure. There was a railroad track ran behind our house. My parents told me to stay off of it, and so I did when they were looking. We were always looking for treasure, hidden treasures. We heard stories of gold being buried along the railroad tracks. We would dig around the roots of trees. My parents must have wondered where the mole was in the backyard. Always looking for money buried, some treasure somewhere. Anytime we had opportunity to go to an old abandoned house somewhere, an old garage somewhere, we weren't up to no good. We weren't, we weren't painting graffiti. We were looking for treasure. I'll never forget when Annette and I bought our first home across the street from the old Delphi Avenue property. A few of you might remember Sister Price was so upset at us, at me. The house was condemned. There was not much worth saving in the old house. It was the only way we could get to home ownership. We bought the house. I think we paid twelve or $13,000 for it. It was basically condemned, and it needed everything from the foundation up. We bought the home, and we went in, and by the time you and I found all sorts of treasure in that old house, we put on boots and waded through what we thought was water in the basement. Use your imagination. I'll try to keep it peaceful and clean in here tonight. We found all sorts of things in that house, and when I started demoing the house, I'm not sure how that it came about, but we started taking plaster off of walls and would find in the walls where it had seemingly fallen through the attic perhaps into the hollow walls. And we found books. I, I think I still have some of those books in storage uh, somewhere uh, between here and, and who knows where. Uh, I still have some of those books. Um, we found newspapers in that house. They, they use newspapers for all sorts of things back then. We found newspapers back in the, the 1890s, which was back in the time when they were building the house. And there were newspapers and newspaper articles and pieces, and the newspaper was in reasonably good shape. Uh, it was just it was amazing some of the things we found. And books that had been out of print over a hundred years, we, we found in walls and stored in nooks and crannies in, in that old house. We found all kinds of treasure and unmentionable things as we went through that house. Tom and I have a lot of good stories to tell 
about the things we hauled up out of that house. He was so gracious to come and help me uh, back then. Everybody loves finding treasure. How many of you like to find treasure? It's kind of a cool thing, but what about those things that you run across when you're cleaning house or cleaning the basement? I haven't had working lights in a portion of my basement for about three or four years, and um, it's where that I keep my things stored. My wife has, uh, we make sure there's lights over in the laundry area, and, uh, but what happens outside of there is kind of like my space. And um, uh, in that particular area, uh, occasionally I'll drag a light over there and start digging through and I'll find things that I declared somebody stole two years ago. Things that I blamed on my boys for taking, I run across and locate. We find things, it's just, it's, it's amazing the things you run across. My wife will be going through and cleaning out a drawer or cleaning under the bed and she'll say, hmm, look what I found. And she pulls something out and she'll say, I, I didn't know where that was. I had lost it. I, I didn't. I wasn't sure where it was. It's, it's a hidden treasure, something that we were trying to hold on to, but somehow it got put out of sight and out of mind and misplaced, and we learned that we could live without it. But when we found it, it was a joyous occasion. Some of them may be family heirlooms, photos, photo albums, items that we had stored away from years ago, maybe something from our wedding or from when the boys were first born or Maybe something a grandparent had given us. I, I ran across one of those items today, one of the only items that I have preserved, part, partially preserved from my grandfather on my father's side. Uh, old item would mean nothing to anybody else in here, but I ran across it the other day and, and was thinking, it's, I think it's the only item that I have that connects me to, to that piece of history. In, in my life, uh, we, I just, just ran across it. There's a little story in 2 Kings. It's a story of the discovery of a book of law that was found during Josiah's uh, renovation of the temple. It's amazing what happens when you start cleaning out a place. Uh, this particular story was, is, is just about as good as it comes because we, we all know that the Word of God is a priceless treasure. But the frightening thing about it is, is that Josiah ran across a book that was lost. And he ran across the book. And the, the, first, the first thing is, is that Josiah ran across the book uh, that had been lost. The second issue is, is that the book was what the house was all about. But the book was lost. The second thing that is amazing in that story is that the book was not taken out of the house and lost somewhere else, but that the book was lost in the house. There's more to that story than just something being lost and found. But it's a story about God choosing to reveal himself to his people in a time when he would speak specifically to their spiritual condition. 
this book was accidentally found. It, they weren't looking for the book. They were just cleaning out and ran across. It was one of those, oh my, look what I found moments because the book had been gone for a very long time. But God chose to reveal His Word, which is to say God chose to reveal Himself to Josiah and Josiah's generation and to the nation that Josiah led. God could have made a choice at any time of previous kings to, to reveal Himself, but he, he saved it for Josiah's day. And He saved it for the moment when Josiah had gone in and began to to, to, to search through and look for the, for, uh, begin to, to clean out some of the clutter in the temple. What happens here in Josiah's reign is truly what revival is all about in the church. If I can draw a parallel here in just a few moments, I, I want to draw a parallel if I may. God is showing himself to the people through fresh revelation and new passion. We see in this story a couple of things that Josiah did that made God decide to reveal himself anew during Josiah's reign. As usual, I start looking for the biblical pattern that speaks to the church today. And what I see going on here, first of all, is that Josiah was doing Josiah was working, in other words. Josiah had followed a whole list of kings. And if you look back through history, I'm not sure the Bible doesn't ever give us clear, definitive uh, scripture on when the book went missing. It never, it never points out that they were missing the book. They never, it, it was as if it snuck in so slowly. It was as if it crept in just inch at a time and piece at a time that there were some things that started being ignored and some things that started, started just being bypassed until they were meeting together in the temple. But what the meeting in the temple normally meant was reading from the book of law. But somewhere along the way, it stopped being about reading the book of law. And it started being more about the gathering together. If we're not careful in the church, it'll be more about coming together and talking and laughing and greeting with friends and punching the clock of saying, I showed up today and now I go about my business and we'll go out to dinner together and fellowship with one another. But there is a real purpose for the church coming together. And if we ever miss the purpose for us coming together, we will have missed the whole point. We must never take our worship service so lightly that we can sit and laugh and talk through it and worry about everything that's going on around us. But we're coming into the house of the Lord to worship. I know it's not popular preaching to come in on a Sunday night when a lot of the congregation's out traveling and you poor folks stayed and made it in. And some of you, this is the third message you've heard me preach today. And I know I've heard my voice more than I wanted to hear it. But I come tonight to tell you that this church must always be about the Word of God. We must never reach a point that we lose the purpose of our coming together. 
Josiah came in. And Josiah started looking around. You see, we live in houses. And sometimes the atmosphere of our home, we we don't even pay attention to. Because we become so accustomed to the atmosphere and the environment that we create in our home. And we can become so accustomed to the atmosphere and the environment that we create in the church. We can come to church and and not realize, let me just say this boldly tonight, you are either a worshiper or either you are hindering worship. I know it's not popular, and I know some of you aren't going to clap your hands tonight when I say that, but either you are involved, engaged, and in and, and worship, or either you are creating a culture that is countering the worship. You're saying it's okay to sit, folded arms, staunch faces. You are creating an environment. Either you're promoting or you are hindering. And the issue is, is we can start creating an environment and we don't even realize what we're doing. We start wearing our feelings on our shoulder. We start coming in with long faces and steel hands and quiet voices. And we stop going to the prayer room. And we stop clapping our hands. And we stop shouting unto the Lord. And we go through a, a, a few weeks and a few months that nobody's dancing before the Lord. And nobody's clapping. And, no, and before long without us even realizing we have created a culture and we we have lost some things that the apostolic church has always been about. I wish I had the energy to preach it like I feel it, Dylan. I'm trying. If we're not careful, we'll lose some things. And you don't, when you lose this, what, what happened in Josiah's day is they lost some things without recognizing that they lost it. And if we're not careful as apostolics, we will lose some things without realizing. I'm not too worried about this church in certain areas, but there are areas like, like any church that I would be concerned over. We are maintaining. Somebody asked me the other day, I was with someone the other day, and they asked me, they said, Well, let me ask you some things about the church. Are, are, are you, how are your, your, your ladies? How are they dressing? Is this how they're dressing now? I said, absolutely not. I said, we're still dressing the same way that we were dressing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We're dressing modestly. We're still coming. They started asking me questions about it. I said, well, what about this? What about that? I said, no, in some of these areas. They said, well, what about praise and worship? If we're not careful, it can be an indictment against us because we will lose some things. What about the prayer room? Do people still come early and pray at 5.30? I remember when that prayer room used to be roaring. They said, do they still come early and do they still pray like that? If we're not careful, we will lose some things without ever realizing that it's lost. And a new king by the name of Josiah comes in and he says, we got a problem. This place is cluttered. The issue with our homes is this. A lot of times 
we live in our own sense of normality. What is livable for me, you may come into my home and look at it and say, wow, I couldn't live like that. Now, my wife does a good job. That's no indictment against her. And pretty much she's the only one that does a good job. Because me and Dylan, we don't do so such a good job. We live in our own sense of normality. What is acceptable, what we do in our home, what becomes accept- acceptable in our life. The clutter and, and what we're used to and what's acceptable and what we, anybody with me tonight? I'm not really preaching about your house. What I'm preaching about is some things that we begin to tolerate and accept and we start creating a culture of normalcy that is not biblical. Can I preach to you for a few moments? We start accepting some things into our home. We start watching things, going places, talking ways. Wish I had a preaching church tonight. Until it becomes normal. And we've lost some things that we so long have stood for. Josiah comes in. And he sees it for what it is. That's why it's important to have five-fold ministry. That's why it's important. Somebody asked me one time, why in the world do we have evangelists come in? We've got so many preachers and good preachers that are in and around our church. Why do we ever even have an evangelist come in? Because once in a while, you need somebody to come in with a fresh voice and a fresh eye on what's happening in and around the church. And they walk in and say, wow, I see some things. I sense some things. I feel some things. That's what the five-fold ministry is. It's all about we need people to come in and shake us up. We need a Josiah to come in and say, hey, there's some areas we need to clean out. Everybody say work. Josiah was working. The scripture said that Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. The people in Josiah's day didn't just happen upon the book of law, but they were working. They were house cleaning. They were in the temple. They were throwing things away. Their labor positioned them to find the book that was lost. I was talking to someone the other day. They were telling me about visiting a specific church, and they said, I've never in my life seen so much clutter. Parts of the building that the church doesn't even go into, and it's just cluttered. It's so full. I began to think about Josiah's day. You see, it probably slipped in. They probably never noticed. If somebody pointed it out to them, they'd say, what? Here? You mean that's an issue? That's normal for us. But Josiah came in and began to challenge the people to go to work. And when they began to work together and they began to do some things, they began to to, to, to clean out the clutter and pull some things out. You see, I'm going to say this to you tonight, but when the church makes up their mind to begin to do some spiritual work together, 
You see, one or two can decide, hey, I'm going to go to the prayer room. I'm going to pray together. We're going to fast together, and it's just two or three. You'll have an impact, but there's nothing like the entire church body coming together and saying, Pastor, we're going to fast. We're going to pray together. We're going to do some spiritual work together. We're going to come in and worship together. We're going to come in in one mind and one accord. It bothers me, and I think it bothers the Holy Ghost to see people react to the Spirit of God in nonchalant, aloof ways. He's been far too good to me. He's been far too good to me. Let me say some things to you tonight. When the church begins to work together, we position ourselves to recover some things that we have lost. And when people are willing to go to work, they prove that they truly care. (laughs) My dad used to say, Son, when the church gets real quiet, it's hard to say sick them to a dog when the dog's got them by the pants. When people are willing to work, they prove that they care. The revelation in our labor may just be the recovery of what is lost. I'm going to break this down for you in a moment. Let me just put it in real clear English. Those who feel disconnected, I dare you to get connected and start doing something that's costing your time, your energy, your effort, and your finances in the kingdom of God. And when you do, you will fall in love with whatever you're doing. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I just don't feel part. I dare you to show up to work night. Well, when is that? Tuesday night. You can be here about 5 o'clock. Boy, it is tight in here. Tuesday night, right here, about 5 o'clock. There will be plenty of work going on, something for everybody to do. Well, I just don't know. I just don't belong around here. I dare you to connect and begin to put your energy and effort. In Josiah's day, when they began to clean out the temple, it wasn't long till somebody ran across something and said, Hey, looky here. I remember this stirred up my mind. You remember this book? I remember when the prophet used to read from this book. I remember when people used to be moved by this book. They found what was lost when they began to work together. I'm going to tell you how revival's going to come to some of your personal lives. It's when you begin to work together, to labor together, and to say, I am willing to sacrifice. Our prayer and fasting is more than just starving ourselves and punching a time clock of prayer. But in our prayer and fasting, we discover some things about our relationship with God. It's called spiritual work. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's spiritual work. It's spiritual work. 
we begin to discover some things about us, some things we once held dear in our heart, some old passion. You want to you get back to that place you used to be? I dare you to start praying and fasting. I dare you to start showing up to prayer meeting. I dare you to start being faithful to the house of God and not just going through the motions, but saying, you know what? These young people aren't going to have anything on me. I'm going to walk up to the front myself. I'm going to put whatever behind me. I'm going to come be a leader. I'm going to come get up front because I want to I want a revival of where I used to be. I want a restoration. I want restored. What have you lost? You lost prayer? You lost fasting? You lost dedication to the church? Dedication to the house of God? If we're not careful, our lives will become much like that of Josiah's day. We'll start caring too much about our life in the here and now. And over time of letting things slide, let let me just say this to you. I hope our young people are listening. hope our young adults are listening. There are some things. Can I just be pastor for a few moments? It's mainly just us home folks here tonight. But I'm going to say this to you real strongly tonight and very plainly. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you at all. But there's some things that you'll come and say, Pastor, is it okay? Is this, is this all right for us to do? And I say, well, there may not be anything sinful about it. But here's what you've got to watch. If you're not careful, you'll take some things that may not be black and white in the book. But some things that we just say, well, you know, I, I think we can slide on this today. And what happens is when you slide on it today, it's easier to slide on it tomorrow and easier the next day. Before long, it's not even important. And the next generation won't even know know what we stood for. That's why it's important for our elders to show our younger. The Bible says, let the older teach the younger. Don't come and criticize and say, I remember when, if you're not doing it yourself. Brother Corey, can you give me just a little bit more monitor because I'm trying my best tonight to get through this. But let me tell you something tonight. Some of us, thank you, some of us, if we're not real careful, we'll spend our life being critical on social media of the things that the church has lost when we've not taken a close look at our own life and the things that we have let slide in our own personal life. You want to change the church? Change your own life. You want to change the next generation? Change your own life. Lead by example. Let the elder teach the younger. If we lose it, it's not this generation's fault. It's the generation that let it be lost in the first place. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart will follow the things that you treasure. A hardened heart is a product of someone who places treasure in the wrong place. Don't treasure positions. It ain't going to get you anywhere. 
Don't treasure social status. It's not going to get you anywhere. Don't even treasure money and the things of this earth. It's not going to get you anywhere. But treasure the things of God. Spiritual things. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's, here's the problem. We've read it. We've talked about it. But some of us think that where our heart is, well, I'll give to that because my heart is there. I'll, I'll support revival because my heart is there. But here's the truth. Your heart follows your treasure. The things you treasure, if it's your time, your heart's going to follow where you spend your time. If it's your finances you treasure, your heart's going to follow the things that you invest in, that you give sacrificially to. The heart follows the treasure. Treasure doesn't follow the heart. So when you make up your mind to say, you know what, I'm going to commit to give of my time, my talents, and my treasure to some things that I want my heart to follow. But right now, I may not feel bought into it, but you put your time, your talent, and your treasure in, and it won't take long until your heart will begin to follow, and you'll be so sold out and bought into it that nobody could talk you out of it if their life depended on it. Josiah had a willing spirit. He was willing to do what the Lord asked of him. Josiah, first of all, was willing to repent. Josiah repented for not only what was in his life, but he repented for what generations before him had let slip. Josiah was a man with a repentant heart, willing when he saw the wrong to turn toward the right. We all are wrong occasionally. The best thing to do when we recognize we're wrong is not justify ourselves, but rather repent. When the Holy Ghost moves on you and you know that spirit was wrong, those words were wrong, that attitude was wrong, that action was wrong, that social media post was wrong, repent. That means change. That means go back and fix it. I got to hurry up and finish tonight or you're going to be mad at me before I'm done. Josiah had a repentant heart. Why should the Lord would choose to choose to reveal himself to us in a special way? If we don't demonstrate willingness to follow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to step way out. Way out on a limb tonight. And some can say pastors being very self-serving. And it's okay. I've been shot at before. But a heart that is not willing to follow apostolic leadership. Is never going to walk in the apostolic impartation that God has for you. 
You are, you are preventing God from being able to do in your life what he wants to do because you are rejecting God's biblical authority. Thank all eight of you. God has always worked through willing people. God never works through stubborn people. Find it in the Bible where God worked through stubborn people. He chastised Israel for being stubborn. When Israel got stubborn and refused to repent, God allowed them. The scripture said God caused them to be defeated. Their army was defeated. God's people were defeated because they had a stubborn and rebellious and unsubmitted spirit. God let them live defeated. Until they finally got enough of defeat. Some 30 something years later to finally come back and say, you know what? We've had enough of this. You understand, 30 something years. One generation is already passed. The next generation comes on and says, mom and daddy has lived this long enough, but I'm not going to live in their rebellious spirit. But I'm going to be submitted and I'm going to repent and I'm going to change. Josiah came in in the middle of that environment and said, for the last 38 years or so, there's been some things missing, but we're going to repent over it and we're going to go to work until God reveals to us the things that have been lost. Oh yeah, Jonah paid the price for his lack of willingness to do exactly what God said. When God called Saul, he said yes to the Lord and his willingness led him to his name being changed to Paul. And the whole New Testament is changed because of of Paul being willing to do what God said to do. This kind of willingness is what God is looking for out of his people. I feel the Lord sent me tonight with a pretty simple message, but I came tonight to tell you that God is looking for you to begin to invest in some things of where you see your future and where you want to go in your future. Where do we want to be, CLC? What do we want CLC to look like? Do we want CLC to be a dead, dry, boring, denominational feeling? then we're going to have to invest in worship. I've said it over and over again. There's nothing going on in this room any more important than our worship to God during our church service. We need to come in and engage in what God is doing. Whether you're on the platform or you're in the pew, it's time to worship. Everybody ought to engage in worship. Uh, Else we will lose the environment of worship. We want to be a preaching church. We have to invest. I thank God this is a preaching church. I told somebody the other day, I preached out more. You can be seated. I'm almost done, but not quite. I told somebody the other day, I preached out several times this year, more this year than I have since I've been pastoring here. Seen multiple opportunities came. I turned some down, accepted some, and I have preached out more this year. But every time I go and preach out, it just once again reminds me of how much I love coming back here because this is a church that magnifies 
magnifies preaching and I thank God for that. You're a church that wants preaching and the preach word. Don't ever stop magnifying preaching. Don't ever stop saying amen to the preacher. Don't ever stop responding. We magnify the word because God magnified his word above his name. His word ought to always be magnified. I don't want to lose apostolic preaching. We're going to get what we invest in. Our heart is going to follow. My question for you, come on Dylan, I'm closing. My question for you is has there been some things that slipped in your life? Have you allowed some things to slip out of your life? Do you still find treasure in serving the Lord? Do you still find treasure in the things of God? Is it about serving Him or serving me? What's our attitude? I need the church to serve me or do we come to serve Him? I want the worship and the worship style and the songs and all that. I want it all to be about bringing pleasure to me or is it about bringing pleasure to Him? Where are you investing your time and energy? Where are you putting your best efforts? Is it in the things of this world? Is it to build bank accounts and build a name for yourself? Or are you investing in the kingdom of God? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Are you serving Him out of a willing spirit? Do you find treasure in sacrificing for the things of God? Let me ask you a very personal question. Have you let something slip in your life that you need to recover? Do you need to recover your worship? Do you need to recover your Bible reading? Do you need to recover your prayer time? Do you need to recover your service in the kingdom of God? Do you need to get back to the place where you once were? Figure out what it is you treasure the most and invest in it. I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor, I feel called to this or called to that. And I usually say, Do you mind if I look at your giving record? Let's look at it together. Because if you, those who are called to missions have a tendency to, it's pretty evident because their sacrificial givings heavily focused in the area of missions. Feel a call to youth ministry, their sacrificial giving finances. I see them showing up to every youth event, wanting to volunteer, wanting to help, wanting to do anything they can in that area because where your treasure is, your time, your talent, your treasure, where your treasure is, there, Will your heart be also? Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you put your best efforts? Is this house, is this house important? I thank God for everything that's happening in every church around us. I thank God for revival in Indianapolis. Thank God for revival in 
Gary, Indiana, and Fort Wayne. I thank God for that. I rejoice in what God is doing in the churches all around us. I thank God for it. We rejoice. We'll celebrate. But there's nothing more important to me than what God is doing in the house that I call home. Because this is the place where I get fed. This, this is my, this is my, the place I put my treasure. This is my home church. This is where I put my treasure. This is where I put my time. This is where I put my best effort. I help everybody else, but this, this is going to be my priority. Because if I ever let that slip, my love for what I do here will fade. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stand with me tonight if you would. Do you treasure the things of God? Is your treasure in the temple? I'm concerned tonight. In my spirit, I'm concerned for some that without even recognizing or knowing, like in Josiah's day, some of the most important things have been lost. And except you go to work and start cleaning out some of the old clutter in your life, you're going to go back and find it or either you're going to live the rest of your life wandering around aimlessly, wondering what being in church is about, wondering what this is all about, why am I sacrificing, why am I giving. Thank you, Brother Bill. I open these altars tonight. Maybe there's others that feel God calling them already. Where do you put your treasure? Where do you put your treasure? I surrender all to you. Come on, pour your heart out to the Lord tonight. This is a personal altar call. God is calling. He's speaking to you tonight. Don't walk forward just to get conviction off of you tonight. Would you make a commitment to the Lord tonight? Would you make a commitment to Him? Come on, push past all of the things, that, all the excuses that you could make. We all could make them. Let this prayer, let this song be your prayer. Everything, Everything I give to you. Would you make a commitment to the Lord right now? All over the building, would you just extend a hand toward heaven and just say to the Lord, God, I want to clean these things out of my life that have cluttered my mind and my heart. I want to keep my priorities in the right place. Oh, yeah. Everything I give. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I surrender all to you. Everything 
Here I am, Lord. I open myself up to you. I want to look for the treasure that I've lost. Come on, commit to the Lord right now. Commit that treasure. Commit that valuable time. I'll make time for prayer. I'll make time for study of the Word. I'll make time for church attendance. I'll make time for worship. Savior. My Savior. Forever. 